0: Hello and welcome. We're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett.
1: It's only when you're in a covenant that you can know and enjoy God.
0: What's your take on the word covenant? It's not a word that we use routinely much anymore, but a covenant agreement has great significance. A covenant has penalties as well as privileges. A covenant with God is the highest commitment a person can make.
1: The nature of a covenant with God, what does it look like? Like.
0: We're in Jeremiah again tonight to look at transgressing the covenant.
1: So we're in Jeremiah chapter 34, We've, we have uh, seen that Jeremiah has been in an exchange with the king. You remember that last week we, we saw in the first part of this chapter, the king is moved to release the slaves. And he releases the slaves quite possibly for the wrong reason. We saw last week that sometimes you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And sometimes governments ensure that people do the right thing, even though their heart's not in it. And this is why some people say laws can never change a person's heart. And I would say laws will always change a person's heart. Because if you think about it, even though you don't want to do it, there is something that overrides in your heart that says, I should, even though you may not want to pressing the covenant and we saw that after this when they released the slaves coincidentally Babylon withdrew from the city and of course the king said aha uh-huh, see I told you it worked and then immediately proceeded to enslave all these people again and so now the prophet Jeremiah is coming to them and we pick it up in verse 19 the officials of Judah the officials of Jerusalem the eunuchs the priests and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. Now, I would think if you're reading that and you are a new Christian and you know nothing about the Old Testament and you read, they passed between what? What on earth was going on at that party? This is weird. Passed between the parts of the calf. Now, of course, if you are familiar with the Bible, you would recognize that something happened right near the foundation of Israel, which we'll have a look at in a moment, where this is actually referencing. It sounds weird, but let's see if we can pick it up because this expression passed between the parts of the calf was something that happened when God established a covenant with the father of Israel, which was Abraham. And it was a way of saying in any agreement, as we'll see in a moment, that an agreement must be cut. A covenant must be cut. In fact, the Hebrew word for covenant is barit. And it means to cut. Something has to be cut. And it was usually an animal. And what would happen is the parties uh, who would form an agreement would put their hands on the head of of a calf or a sheep or a goat... And they would say, this goat represents the covenant we're about to cut. And then a, a knife would be taken to it, the animal would be slain, and it would be cut in half, and the pieces laid down, and they would walk between the pieces. Now, of course, if, if, you, if you know this, and, and you know how Scripture unpacks this and unfolds this, you would know that, that the calf, the sacrifice of a calf, a young Pure animal without blemish is a picture of Christ. Bullocks were used to pull things, and a young bullock, a calf, was was a strong animal. Christ is the Almighty God, and to sacrifice a young animal would be, would be like a farmer taking a massy, brand new massy Ferguson tractor and putting it on a bonfire and blowing it up. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a machine. See, you've got to understand this word sacrifice. We glibly read the word sacrifice and think, oh yeah, I've got, I've got a sacrifice. I, I had a couple of sacrifices here a minute ago, what do I do with them? This is, this is sacrificing a part of you know, what would naturally be their livelihood. And it's a picture of Christ, the worker, the one who can achieve infinite work on our behalf. And he was slain, and unless you pass between him, the expression, unless you are in Christ... You're not saved. So this is a profound picture, (laughs) utterly profound. So only those in a covenant with God can know or enjoy him. See, as I've come to know God, there's a whole lot of other emotions that come with knowing God. One is utter enjoyment. One is bewilderment at how good he is to me. I hope you have those moments where you where you can look on your life look back on your life and go, He graced me, He blessed me, He protected me, He looked after me. Why? We sometimes ask that question when things go wrong, don't we? Oh, why did this happen to me? But how about flipping the equation when things go right? <laughs> why did things go right for you? Why do more things go right for you than go wrong? Don't you ever ask God why that is? Because the answer is he loves you. He loves you. This is amazing. And, and you can only enjoy that love if you are in a covenant relationship with him. Even if you don't know him, he's been good to you. Jesus said that. He causes the rain to fall on the wicked and the righteous. Isn't that unfair? Wouldn't you like the rain just to fall on the righteous? You know, house, lot, farm... Righteous person, rain. Wicked person, do not go to church, doesn't tithe, barracks for Collingwood, and just no no rain. It's only when you're in a covenant that you can know and enjoy God. The nature of a covenant with God. What does it look like? Well, if you can hold a bookmark or a I suppose if you've got an iPad, you can put a... You can put a book ribbon, if you, depending if you're using olive tree or something like that. And then go to Genesis 15 and verse 1. This is where this picture of passing between the parts of the calf comes from. And we, we have here this account. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and, will, and your reward will be great. This is. There are other translations that that render that verse this way. For I will be your reward. I will be your reward. That's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's just beautiful, delightful that God says, "You get to know me, and I become your reward." So as we go on in this chapter, it says, and it won't be on the screen, but it goes on and says this. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven. And number the stars, if you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him, God counted it to him as righteousness. And that word believed is the same as I trust you. I trust what you're telling me is true. Verse 7, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldees to give you... Uh, this land to possess. So I want you to notice this. There's a connection between the land that Abraham's in, known as Canaan. We know it today perhaps as Israel or Palestine. And he, but he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old. So a, a calf. A female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Now all of these in some way represent Christ. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring shall be sojourners or travelers, visitors in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years, the time that Israel was held uh, in captivity in Egypt. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch, representing God, passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a key word covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt To the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, and the (laughs) Mozibites. So a covenant was an agreement between two parties. It was an agreement between, it could be between a king and a nation that he's conquered. It could be between two people. Most commonly, it it was between a man and a woman called marriage. That's, that's the covenant that we would probably be most familiar with today. So it's a, an agreement between two parties. It could be an agreement between someone who has a lot and someone who has nothing. And in fact, that's what the new covenant is really all about. In the covenant, it has penalties for breaking it. And those penalties were enacted in the slaying of the animal. And as they put their hands on, on the animal and said, we form in a covenant, this, this animal is a picture of the covenant that we form together. And if either of us break this covenant, then slit the throat and the knife. So let it be done to us as was done to this animal. So the covenant had certain penalties, but the covenant also came with certain privileges. And the privileges after this point, Abram has one of the the most profound privileges a person can ever have. And that is God embeds his name. He puts his name on Abram and the name of God, which is Yah, you have Abraham. And God became known as the God of Abraham. This is where we get in marriage the idea that the woman becomes Mrs. whatever her husband's surname is because she's formed a covenant with him and it's a way of saying that she is in covenant with her husband another part of the privilege is if tony and i formed a covenant tony could you just come up here for a moment i just need a crash to dummy um <laughs> tony and i would you know imagine um poor tony i mean look at him skin and bones really, you know a good puff of wind blow him away so what would happen is my sword that I would have strapped to me and his little bow and arrow thing, with the suction cups on the end of it, he would, he would take his bow and arrows off and give them to me. And I would take my sword off and give them to him. He would now wear my sword and I would carry around his bow and arrows. We would exchange weapons and it would be symbolic. And somehow people would see that when they saw Tony, they would see, oh, he's in covenant with Andrew. Don't mess with Tony because if you mess with Tony, you're messing with Andrew. Because part of the covenant was this, if anyone harms you, I will protect you. If ever you are in need, I will provide for you. And what we would do, once we've slain the animal, we then take that knife and we, we, we make a cut in our body. We make a mark near our wrist. You, you've probably seen this in the cowboy and Indian movies, you know, where they, the Indians would form the blood brother covenant. Well, this is what they did. They'd actually cut themselves, cut themselves, and then they would kind of merge the the whole blood and blood, you know, symbolic blood. And now our, our blood flows through each other. We're in that close a covenant with each other. The prophet Isaiah says that God would form a covenant, a new covenant, and he would pierce his hand and inscribe the names of the redeemed on his hand. These are pictures of the covenant. Tony would then take on, you know, he might become Tone an Drew. Or something. drew Anthodrunee, there you go. And I might become Anthony. Ant, Anthony. Ant, 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 Drew, Ant, or something. You know, you got the idea. We'd, we'd mingle our names. Our names would be, would exchange. So we, there'd be exchange of weapons. There'd be a commitment. I would provide for you. If ever I'm in need, I will come to your aid. If ever, I, if ever you need anything, I will do. It. So this is what would happen in a covenant. But but the other thing that's happening as well is I, I think we've, yeah it, it was the very act of what I'm doing now and you're all witnessing. This is what would happen. It would have to be witnessed, and then the animals that were slain, we'd roast them and you'd all party with us. It was called a feast. And it had to be celebrated in the presence of witnesses. It had to be carried out in the presence of witnesses, then celebrated. And your presence said, we affirm this covenant. So that's the forming of a covenant. Thanks, Tony. Or Andrew Tony, me, whatever your name is now. And this is, this is a part of the picture that Jeremiah is painting. And you, you, got to understand, you, can, you can get the picture here of what happens when you give your life to Christ. When you give your life to Christ, you are opening up your life to allow the life of Christ to come into you. You are bearing in your body a mark that says, I belong to Christ. That's why water baptism is a really big deal. It's a really big deal because it's actually a statement before witnesses that I'm in covenant with Christ. It's a big deal, so it was a covenant was witnessed as it was being as it was being mediated. That's an abbreviation of that, and you can see how this covenant, this agreement between two people, there's like Tony and I could not from that point if that was our covenant that we made. And by the way, men could make that covenant; men could form allegiances like that. We find that in. Uh, was it Genesis twenty-eight, and Genesis thirty-two, where uh, was it Jacob and and uh, Jacob and Laban in Genesis thirty-two? I'm just flicking ahead here. Uh, former covenant um, uh, thirty-one, whatever it is, and so we have this th- th- these biblical examples of these things that would later carry out its fullest, richest meaning in the cross of Christ. And when you say yes to Jesus, you are saying, yes, I will form a covenant. Not, yes, I am forming a covenant. Yes, I will form a covenant. And then that's why all those aspects of do it before witnesses, water baptism, all become a really big deal. The partaking of communion is a covenant meal. You know that feast I was talking about? That's what what this communion meal is about that we did this morning. So it's it's a pretty big deal. There's no higher commitment. And, And here's the thing. God, the highest being in the universe, only has relationship with those who have formed a covenant with him. Because it is the highest form of commitment two people can make. And that's the only form of commitment God will accept from people. And we find that when Jesus died on the cross he was facilitating this very thing he was making it possible for you to have a relationship with him so god made this covenant with abraham the father of israel if you know anything about the 10 commandments when when israel came out of egypt and god gave them the 10 commandments again they were asked do you as a nation now want to as a nation form a covenant with God and they all said yes and God said here's the agreement and the agreement was the 10 commandments and the agreement was that he would be their god and they would be his people this is covenant language so this covenant that he established with Abraham was then re- renewed not reviewed, renewed by Israel later on and then when Joshua conquered the land they entered into the promised land Joshua says to that generation Are you guys in on this covenant with God? And they all said, yes, Joshua 24. Yes, we're in. David led Israel in renewing the covenant of Israel with God. And so now we have some of David's descendants, the kings of Israel. And we've seen that, Okay, part of the covenant law is don't don't enslave each other for more than six years. So the king, we've just seen has has you know agreed and obeyed this part of the covenant, but now he's gone back on it. But it's not just him. So let's come back into uh, Jeremiah 34, and we pick it up again in verse 20. And I want you to remember that when God formed that covenant with Abram, who became Abraham, it was part of the privilege of that covenant, the benefit of that covenant, is that they would possess the land now what we haven't looked at part of the penalties goes like this if you break the covenant the privileges of the covenant cease to exist if you violate the covenant you cannot enjoy the privileges of the covenant in fact we read in deuteronomy the fifth book of the bible chapters 26 and 27 that god says here's the blessings the privileges that you'll enjoy by simply keeping the covenant Then the next chapter is, but here's what will go wrong if you break the covenant with me. And one of those things is, the land that I've given you, you'll lose it. You'll be expelled from it. I'll bring in a foreign army, a foreign nation, and they'll drive you out of the land. Huh. That was said at the time of Moses. And here we are, a thousand years later, and Jeremiah is reminding them, of this covenant, the fact that Babylon was now outside their gates again, is only fulfilling the covenant of what God said. So, verse twenty: I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. Now, this is this is interesting because here we have these people who, you know, you could say, but hang on. This is a thousand years after Moses. This is the not the, just the great great grandchildren. This is the great 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 grandchildren. How could you expect them to be in covenant with God when it wasn't exactly them who said yes to the covenant? It was their you know descendants or ancestors. Sorry, back back way gone by. And yeah, okay, fair enough, good point. And it does raise the point, doesn't it? That you can't be in covenant with God based on the fact that your ancestors formed a covenant. You've got to form a covenant. Now this is the thing, Billy Graham said this, and it's, a, it's just, it's a powerful thing. God doesn't have grandkids. You know, you've heard Billy Graham say, God doesn't have grandkids. He only has children. So you can't think, well, I'll be okay, Jack. I'll be, I'll be in heaven. I'll be okay because my parents go to church and, well, they tithe. <laughs> they, they do the right thing. I'll be okay. God doesn't have grandkids. And you might be a church kid here today. Let me speak to you for a moment. One of the most dangerous places on planet Earth is not the war zones of Afghanistan or Iraq or Nicaragua or Bogota, Colombia or... Philadelphia, uh, and they are some of the most dangerous places on the planet. But they're not anywhere near as dangerous as this place. Growing up in a church, hearing about Jesus, hearing about the Bible, hearing about how Jesus died for the sins of the world, putting your hand up and going, yeah, okay, I'm in. Not having it really grip your life, not having it really win your heart, And for you then to cruise through the rest of your Christianity, turning up at church when it's convenient, and thinking Jesus is a piece of the pie, not really the whole pie. That is the most dangerous place to be on the whole planet. Because you are in danger of eternal peril. (laughs) I can't put it more strongly than that. God doesn't have grandkids he only has kids and here's the really 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 good news you can become a child of God you can right now begin the rest of your life this could be the first day of the rest of your life and you can only know God by forming a covenant with him Now, here's here's the the amazing thing. The covenant that Tony and I formed, he's doing something, I'm doing something. But in the covenant God has formed with us, he's done it all. He's done it all. It's a different type of covenant, but it's a covenant nonetheless. I bring nothing to the covenant. When Tony and I said, if you're ever in need, I'll come to your aid. When is God ever in need? When does God ever need my help? What, can I, what value can I add to God? None, nothing. I bring the, so in other words, this covenant that God offers us called the new covenant, the one that Jesus came and established and formed, he's done everything. <laughs> he's done a lot. He now offers you eternal life. Have you ever been so stressed out? And just a thought drops in your head. Just look to Jesus right now. I've been there. I'm, I'm thinking of changing my address to that address. My email address is going to change to that right there, wherever that is. Because I am going there more and more and more. Jesus, I need your peace right now. And the peace of God, the Bible says, which passes human understanding, will fill your soul. This is the new covenant. This is the privileges of the new covenant. You can only know God by forming a covenant with him. Here's the question. I've just spoken about the peace of God. Do you want it? (laughs) Do you want the peace of God? This is not some airy-fairy idea. This is something people pay a lot of money to enjoy something that looks like the peace of Christ and they never get it. They have to keep going back to their guru or their whatever to get. But we, we can come into Jesus and we can ask Jesus to fill our soul with a peace. And we can enjoy the peace of Jesus. And you know what? We're giving it away. It costs nothing. It costs you nothing. It's totally free. And you're one prayer away from receiving it right now. And this is what Jesus offers. He offers you a new covenant. So as Jeremiah takes on these people and says, you have transgressed or broken or gone beyond the covenant You've broken the covenant. We today have to be mindful there is still a covenant. It's called the New Covenant. It's because of God's grace that we have it and enjoy it. And as the worship team comes now, I want to pray for you. And perhaps you're a believer and you have, you have gone a little bit stale. <laughs> maybe, maybe Jesus in you has not been the reality of your week for a little while then I want to invite you to experience the peace of God in your soul because that's the be- the benefit and the privilege of the new covenant, the new covenant.
0: A covenant is an agreement between two parties and it has privileges as well as penalties. Some challenging thoughts there about covenants. More from Dr. Corbett next week with his message, Be Like the Rechabites. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Transgressing the Covenant, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Finding Truth Matters.